Welcome, welcome, welcome to the My Thing Is This podcast. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. And each week, we talk about what's going on in the world. And as we talk about that, I let you know my thing is this, about what's going on in the world. Again, I'm your host, Troy Sampson. Welcome to the My Thing Is This podcast. Stay tuned, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday. This is Sunday, November 21st, 2021. I hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's safe from any hurt, harm, or danger. Uh, for those that are traveling this week, this week is uh, holiday week. Um, I don't know if in 2020 we still want to call it Thanksgiving based on the history of what Thanksgiving is really about. But, you know, people will be traveling to spend time with their loved ones, family, and friends. So if you get an opportunity to do so, I sure wish you safe travels uh, to do so. Uh, make sure that you protect our elders uh, by being vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, make sure you do everything you can to protect your elders uh, from this coronavirus pandemic that's still going on. Wear your mask or just stay home or just, you know, do your own thing at your home and videotape or Skype or Zoom or whatever you can do to reach out to your elders uh, to protect them. I think that's an important thing we need to do is protect our elders during this time and make sure we keep them safe uh, and not allow them to become ancestors on our watch because we were being careless with this virus and exposed them to this virus. But anyway, uh, again, safe travel and mercy this week for those who are going to see family and friends and just uh, make sure you stay safe. There's a lot to unpack this week. Of course, the, Big story of the week is the trial of young Kyle Rittenhouse, an 18-year-old. I don't know if he's still 18 now, but he was 18 at the time, who mother purchased for him an AR-15 rifle and drove him across state lines to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where there was protests going on. And he went there with the idea of protecting people's property. And, of course, his trial happened this week, and it was a pretty short trial. Of course, the prosecution kind of was, appeared to be muzzled in their approach by the judge. It was, just a, it was just a crazy scene to see, but not unusual. Uh, 
in terms of the legal system here in this country. We've seen things like this happen before. It started with the jury pool and who was on the jury pool, who was selected on the jury pool. So it started with that. That was hokey. And then the judge put all these stipulations on what you can and cannot do. And he threw out the so-called gun charge because he didn't want to alienate 18-year-olds that could actually go hunting. And what's confusing to me is why all of a sudden in this particular case, we want to make the AR-15 seem like it's a hunting rifle in this particular case. But when you hear it all over the news, you hear all the things about gun control, everybody wants to ban the AR-15 assault rifle. But in this particular case, he was allowed to have it thrown out as a rifle because he didn't want other 18-year-olds who were actually going hunting with rifles or long rifles or hunting rifles to be caught up in this conundrum. It just sounds fishy, sounds fishy to me. And of course, the world has spoken about it. Twitter has blown up. Um, Black Twitter is blown up. Instagram is blown up. And I want to read you real quick a quote from Trevor Noah, who is who has the Daily Show. Uh, Trevor is really, really a staunch advocate for civil rights and human rights. And what he said was, he says, nobody drives into a city with guns because they love someone else's business that much. That is some BS. No one has ever thought oh, it's my solemn duty to pick up a rifle and protect, and protect that TJ Maxx. They do it because they're hoping to shoot someone. And that's a quote from Trevor Noah uh, on that topic. Um, and I won't necessarily say that's too far-fetched. Um, you know, and we all know there's two systems of justice in this country. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a truth. I'm not saying anything controversial. Um, it's apparent to see. And so for anybody listening to this podcast who says, you know, you don't know, you know, you, you just, you know, speculating you're this, you're that, you're just stirring up stuff. I'm not stirring up stuff. I'm just telling you what my eyes see, what the Earl's eyes see. Cause we all know that had Kyle Rittenhouse been, you know, uh, Kadeem um, Butler, for instance, and decided to do what Kyle Rittenhouse did, he probably wouldn't even made it to the protest at all without being pulled up by law enforcement and having his gun taken away. Or if he was able to get as far as Kyle Rittenhouse gotten, had gotten, he probably would have been, again, either snatched up by law enforcement or shot on the spot. So let's not fake the realities here that we live in a country that is that has its issues. Let's just let's just keep it real. Uh, I'm not saying anything unusual or brand new, but um, we know that it's just it's just an unfair system of justice. It's an unfair system of just about everything you can think of. And so, you know, we've 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 come to a point of reckoning now um, where people are just doing what they want to do to a certain degree. They are just speaking and speaking, I guess, their truth on what they want to speak, uh, what's really in their heart, um, how they really feel about people of, 
other sexes, other cultures, other other uh, ethnic groups, and it's like there's it's like there's no shame being put to it. It's it's just all out there in the open for people to see and people to understand and people to hear. And that's one of the things that I think this pandemic happening during 45's um, presidency has really brought to the forefront. Um, It's sad and I wish it wasn't that way, but we still got a long way to go um, in this country. One will argue, well, we're not any better off than we were when Dr. King and all the other ancestors marched for our civil rights. Um, I think the only difference that's happening now is that it's caught on camera. And social media has really taken it to another level to where we can see it instantly. Social media has sort of become the new news cycle. And so you will tend to see stuff on social media before you see stuff on the news cycles. Because um, everybody wants to get it first. We got to get it first. We got to hear it first. And so this case, this trial has really somewhat given... Um, it's going to give some people a false sense of security, a false sense of um, ability to do what they want to do now. That that um, you have to think for yourself, what does this really mean? Is this going to cause other people out here to um, go out here and try to commit the same or use the same argument that Kyle Rittenhouse has used to get off? I mean, you have to ask yourself that question. And it's a question that we all, you know, need to ponder and think about and know that we can't, that there's people out there that can't do a lot of the things that people think they can get away with and think that they can do. And so, because there's two, there's two systems of justice in this country. And let's not skirt around that or make that seem like it's not a, not anything that's not real. And so here we are, 2021, you know, Carl Rittenhouse walks away and you have other people, uh, especially people that don't look like Carl Rittenhouse that are in jail for far lesser crimes and, and other things of that nature. Um, that it's, uh, that it's shameful. You know, you think about, you know, some of the children that have lost their lives with playing with toy guns or people that have lost their lives playing with toy guns at the hands of law enforcement. Tamir Rice comes to mind immediately. And so we have to, you know, each day we see this and we have to really take stock in ourselves to say, what are we seeing? How are we handling what we are doing um, how do we process this? How do we reconcile this? What does that look like? How do we then go back to work? How do we look at people um, in our society now that this has happened? So how do we really process that? I think that's something that each one of us has to do. 
um, at some point because it's really the only thing that um, being able to process the only thing that's going to really keep us sane, I think. And um, it's just one of those situations where we have to really, you know, dig within ourselves. We got to pray. We got to do what we need to do um, and really stay close to, I know I can speak for me, but stay close to God and see guidance from God on what this really looks like and how this really affects us in the world and not um, allow it to consume us but empower us to make us, you know, want to go out and vote, to make us want to do the things necessary to remove, you know, um, things that are in place that keep systematic racism and unjust uh, decisions in place. Vote. Go out and vote locally. Vote. You know, when those judges come up for vote, make sure you, um, you vote. Make sure that you cast your ballot. Make sure that you, you know, um, do what it is that there needs to be done to ensure that people are getting a a fair and reasonable trial. And that way we can see justice for these 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 young men that were actually taken, you know, um, that were actually taken from their families that have received no justice. Um, so we just have to make sure that we do what we need to do again to take care of ourselves mentally and watch over our family and make sure we do what's necessary to keep sane. But I'm going to transition off of that into a more chilling story. And this story has been out there for probably a couple of weeks now. So I'm going to shift gears here real quick. And, um, as a parent, of a 19-year-old African-American male on the autism spectrum, living with autism. It's just really, it's really sad in my heart to hear the story of Isabella Izzy Tishner, 10-year-old. She's a 10-year-old um, African or black young lady, African-American young lady, who was also living with autism. Uh, she's a student out of the school district in Utah, and she killed herself after being bullied by her classmates and her family's complaints were ignored. Um, and you know, this tragedy comes week, just weeks after the justice department publicly detailed a disturbing report where black and Asian students in her school district, the Davis school district in Farmington, Utah have been harassed for years and that officials deliberately ignore the complaints from parents and students. And so the DOJ detailed the pattern in a report in a settlement agreement that was released back in October. Um, and it's a, truly a tragedy. You know, she was being harassed. Um, and according to the report, you know, there wasn't, there, there, all this is this is rise, widespread. I'll get into the report in a minute, but I want to just talk about some of the things that came out about Miss um, Izzy, and they talked about finding a bottle of Febreze. They found she was taking a bottle of Febreze to school. They asked her why was she taking the bottle of Febreze to school. She said because the kids said she stank. You know, 
and that a, a teacher instructed her to sit away from the other students in the back of the classroom. Um, and I seriously doubt Izzy's parents sent that child to school smelling a certain way. I seriously doubt that. And so, you know, it's the adult that's in the room, the teacher, you know, she, that teacher needs to be held accountable, whoever it is. And, and of course, they also said that, you know, kids, you know, repeatedly used the N-word and teased her so much. Um, and so her parents, she has a mom and a stepdad, sought out her teacher to lodge their complaints. And then when they realized they weren't getting any getting anywhere with it, they went to the principal. And then the principal turned around instead of dealing with it, handed it off to a vice principal. And then it was like the vice principal really didn't hear him. And so they felt as though they weren't being heard. And so, um, of course, you know, when these stories hit the news, you know, the news cycle, CNN and everybody else reaches out to the school district, the board of education of these school districts. And of course, um, the school that she actually attended to corroborate the allegations in the school district declined as usual, to comment on specific citing privacy concerns. And then they shared this 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 press release uh, that really doesn't mean anything when you when you look at the DOJ report, you know. Um, and in the DOJ report, there's about a one percent of the seventy three thousand students enrolled in that district that are black and Asian American. And so um it's uh, it's it's really sad. Um, of course, you know the Utah Jazz players have have also um, reached, you know, have commented on, you know, Izzy, and they had a moment of silence at the Jazz game um, to honor her. Um, and it's really really sad. But let me transition real quick into some of the stuff that came up from this DOJ report. Uh, it's very, very disturbing that some of the stuff that came up from this report and th these things are not coincidental. I mean, cause it's like so many students reported, um, issues with this school district. And it's really sad that this thing has been widespread and nobody's been fired as far as I know, um, you know, it, it just, it was just so much stuff like for instance, student staff harassment, you know, the department also just said the department also found severe and pervasive and objectively offensive race based harassment by staff in several school districts and schools. It says students and parents reported incidents in which the district staff targeted and assaulted students of color, ridiculed students in front of their peers, endorsed pejorative and harmful stereotypes of people of color in class, and retaliated against students of color for reporting the harassment. It's just crazy. Um, the district decision not to discipline, discipline, discipline a teacher who ridiculed, who ridiculed student and in the act of reality, retaliation against a student for reporting it was just, it was just not done. It was just not taken care of. It's not handled. And so it's just sad to see 
so many of this, so many, so many of these things going on. And the report also said it said several teachers admitted to hearing students use the N word and did not report it to administrators. Their response telling students to watch their language, watch your language, you know, and uh, of course they cite several, you know, court cases and stuff like that. One of them was DeSisto, um, DeSisto, DeSisto, it says 1961 F.D.3D at 244.45. It says reasonable jury could find teacher was deliberately indifferent to the complaints of racial harassment where she offered no evidence that she ever spoke to a kindergarten student about racial name calling and principal did not conduct a full investigation of the students and merely spoke to the teacher and merely just spoke to the teacher. It says, and likewise, in 2000, October 2019, a white student dressed as Hitler for Halloween, marching the parade throughout the elementary school while performing a Nazi salute, and no school staff member stopped him or reported his costume and behavior to the school administration. So they let this kid basically dress as Hitler and acted like Hitler, and they did nothing about it. Absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy, crazy, crazy. And this 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 report is is pretty detailed. Um, in it, and um, harassment of students, and importantly, students of color. Um, and it also talked about how black students alleged that alleged the discipline they received suspension was different than the discipline the white students received, which was no suspension. Indeed, disproportionate punishment of black students may be the product of a racially discriminatory discriminatory purpose when it is accompanied by arbitrary disciplinary practices, undeserved unreasonable punishment of black students, or failure to discipline white students for similar conduct. It's just, you know, it says the department collected and analyzed extensive evidence about the district disciplinary practices. We received examples of disciplinary records of white students and black students who were similarly situated in relevant aspects and statistical data on disciplinary practice in the district, statements of district employees, school and district disciplinary customs and practices, and district training for administrators and students responsible for administering the discipline. It says, based on the evidence from our site visits and analysis of the related data, we concluded that the district has deprived black students the equal protection of law through its discriminatory enforcement of its code of conduct and referrals to law enforcement. Wow. And so they even go a little bit deeper. They say, back uh, based on the District discipline files from 2017 to 2018 and 2018 to 2019 school years, we found black students receive harsher discipline consequences than white students for similar offenses, even when the students were close in age and grade and had similar records of prior misconduct, were disciplined for the same conduct code violation and where the narrative descriptions of the misconduct suggested that the incidents were Compar- were compar- of a comparable severity. It says in several cases, black students were excluded from the class through in and out of school, through in and out of school suspension, whereas the white students, where white, white peers received the conference. 
This is particularly true for offenses such as disruptive behavior, which requires a highly subjective determination of whether there was a violation of code of conduct. As a result, black students missed out on variable inst- valuable instructional time, which may contribute to, to or worsen achievement gaps. The department found at least one incident in which an SRO charged a black student criminally while a white student received a conference for similar behavior. Wow. Mm, 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 mm. And it says the district has not presented a legitimate, it says here, a legitimate explanation of why white and black students were treated differently under the district's discipline policy and in law enforcement referrals. It says, in fact, during interviews, district officials admitted to DOJ that the district's discipline data revealed that the district staff treated students of color, and in particular black and Native American students, differently than white students. Despite knowing for at least four years that discipline data revealed disparities, the district took no steps to train its staff, implement changes to discipline codes and practice, and otherwise take corrective action in light of these disparities. Put simply, the district knew it engaged in discipline, discriminatory discipline and did nothing. The DOJ's investigation did not find any legitimate basis for the mere punitive discipline of black students when compared to similarly situated white students. That's crazy. This is just absolutely nuts. And you see where there's this, 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 this two systems of justice and two systems of um, right and wrong in this country? Um, this school district admitted and said these things. So I guess the bigger question now is what is what is the school district, what is the Department of Justice going to do? Some Someone needs to be held accountable for this. I mean, this is not a pervasive thing that is going on that people can just overlook. This is serious stuff. I mean, well, you've got people actually admitting that, admitting to the DOJ that their school records show that they were discriminated against black and Asian or black and Native American kids in forms of discipline. And I mean, this was a period of, from it says from a period of, uh, the period from 2015-16 school year to the 2019-20 school year. This is not 1970s. This is not 1980s or 1990s or 1960s for that matter. This is 2015 to 2020. We're in 2021. So you're talking about six years ago. They focused on this period six years ago up until 2020. It says in response, and it says in response to a request for information issued by the DOJ, the district produced and the DOJ reviewed more than 200 incident files containing allegations of racial har- racial harassment and other discrimination. This is crazy. The DOJ reviewed and analyzed dis- discipline narratives and student interventions documentation from 17 schools from 2017, 18, 2018, 19, 2019, 20 school years. This is crazy. They also reviewed the district's policy and handbooks and code of conduct and all those things, as well as what the school resource officers are reporting. 
It says during five, five site visits to the district, the department interviewed eight district level employees and 70 school level employees, including principals, assistant principals, administrative interns, guidance counselors, teachers, and ground duties to supervise playgrounds, hallways, other common areas. Wow. It says during it says they also have focus groups with students too at seven junior high, junior high and high schools and interviewed additional parents, children, and community members. It says during our focus groups and other interviews, black students reportedly reported strikingly similar experiences throughout the district. White and other non-black students routinely called black students the N-word and other racial epithets, called them monkeys, apes, said their skin was dirty and looked like feces. Peers taunted black students by making monkey sounds at them, touching and pulling their hair without permission, repeatedly referencing slavery and lynching, and telling black students to go pick cotton and you are my slave. Wow. It was just... And even... it. It says here too also, white and other non-black students demanded, demanded that black students give them an N-word pass, which non-black students claimed gave them permission to use the N-word with, with impunity, including to and around black students. Wow. It says if black students resisted these demands, they were sometimes threatened or physically assaulted. These incidents took place on a daily and weekly basis. Wow. And it says black students told the department that incidents happen frequently and at times in front of teachers and other staff. And some would not respond or intervene in any way, in any way. Some students said that they told teachers and other staff when they experienced harassment initially, but when the staff did not respond, the students became discouraged and doubted that the staff would intervene. It says many black students said that the harassment was so pervert for pervasive and happened so often in front of adults that they concluded that the school employees condoned the behavior and believed reporting it further would be futile. Some students also said they feared that if they told adults about the racial harassment, the harassment would retaliate and harass, harassment would get even worse. Several said that they dislike attending school and at times miss school because of racial harassment. Man, we in 2015. This is from 2015 to 2020. Wow. Students also told us in interviews that administrators and teachers targeted, targeted them for discipline. Students believe they were disciplined for behavior that white students also engaged in without consequence. Wow. So, several black students also reported feeling that some teachers, mostly most of whom were white, were less welcoming and help acad and, and helpful academically to them in comparison to the white students. Wow. This is crazy, man. This is crazy. And it says the DOJ in Title Four says the Title Four authorizes the DOJ to address complaints to the effect that a child or children are being deprived by a public school board the equal protection of it of the laws in violation of their constitutional rights. So I guess my question is, my thing is this. If you have this going on so much in a school district, why is this, and the DOJ is getting involved, why is this not causing a shakeup in the school district? 
this should have made national news and there should have been a huge shakeup in that school district where people should have been let go. People should have been disciplined. People should have been, I mean, you got the DOJ with this, this, this scathing detailed report that's pages and pages long that includes legal analysis and everything, interviews, the whole nine. And you're telling me that this is not news. Nobody's, you know, taking a fall for this. Because my thing is this. If this is happening in this school district in Utah, where else is it happening? And honestly, I'm not surprised, you know, that it's happening in in Utah. And I'm surprised it's happening anywhere, honestly. But my thing is this. If you're not going to stand up for these kids like nobody stood up for Izzy, then we're going to have this, what happened to Izzy, God bless and rest her young soul, it's going to happen more often. Or you're going to have a situation where students of color, you know, Asian, African-American, Native American students are not going to be able to benefit from a free and appropriate education that everybody else is entitled to. The resources in the whole nine. There shouldn't be any situation. And I guess my question would be to the listeners listening to this podcast that are Asian American, African American, Native American. Do you really want to live in a school district or live in a state that has a school district that has that reputation? Because my thing is this. If you put your child in an environment like that, you don't know how much emotional damage and the scars will be. Now, we want to say, you know, uh, they need to suck it up. You know, some people say they need to suck it up. As a matter of fact, in the DOJ report, it was reported that the school some school administrators told, report, was reported telling a lot of the minority students that they were being too sensitive about what's what they're hearing. My thing is this. If someone is repeatedly calling me a racial slur or a sexist slur, with with impunity and and I say something about it why am I, how am I being too sensitive how am I being too sensitive and it's funny because a double-edged sword is out there because if all of a sudden and my thing is this if all of a sudden minority students started calling white students derogatory terms and flipped the script and started harassing them you would see a different outcome of this DOJ report or it would never even be a DOJ report because it would be nipped in the bud as quickly as possible. It's like if, you know, there was a young minority that took an AR-15 into a, a, a protest. He wouldn't have made it into the protest as far as he did. And, you know... Again, there's two two systems of, of justice. There's two systems of education in this country. And my thing is this. We got to vote, man. We got to get out. We got to do something. We got to vote. We got to use our voice. We got to put stuff into action. Because one of the things that bothers me is, is that we have leaders in this country that oftentimes are only concerned about their position and their standing. 
And then there's all these backdoor favors. You know, art imitates life. You see these shows like Billions and all these other shows that are out there where people are doing a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes and they got dirt on each other and somebody's doing somebody a favor. Because think about it. If you really want to stop a lot of stuff that's happening in this country, you can stop it. That school district stuff, that stuff that's happening in school just it can be stopped. But the problem is nobody wants to stop it. Nobody wants to stop it. And I don't think the expectation should be that those that are participating in this foolishness should be solely dependent on being the ones that stop it. It has to be other people. It has to be people that are on the receiving end of this harassment that stands up and makes their voices heard and uses the power to vote and do it in mass and, and use numbers, you know, rolling numbers to strengthen numbers to make this stuff stop. And if we have to make the sacrifice for our children, if, if there's not enough numbers to get it done, then my thing is this, make the sacrifice for the children. You know, put yourself in a position where you can move to another state or another school district that doesn't have this going on. Where you can physically pick up and move. There's power and options and power and choice. And I know everybody's not on the academic Everybody is, well, not academic. Everybody's not on the same rung economically. And some people may not be able to do that. But at the same time, you know, find a way to make it happen. Find a way to pick up, set set goals, put together a plan to make it happen. Because we only get one shot to raise our children. And unfortunately, Young Izzy's shot is gone because she was bullied and harassed. And this same school district that this DOJ report is based off of. Let's circle back to Izzy. Like I said, I'm a parent of a 19-year-old son living with autism. And it happens. And we have a society of, of, quite frankly, a society of children raising children. And also a society, and my thing is this, and again, my thing is this, and my views are just my views alone. And I'm not on here to cause controversy or stir up a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just going, I'm just sharing truth. You know, disability in this country is not looked at in the same way um, that everything else is looked at. And unfortunately, we live in a country where there's has and there's have nots. You know, survival of the fittest and I believe and my thing is this we're all made in God's image God created the ability to make human life and that human life comes in all forms and when he sent his son down his son he didn't send his son down to say I'm not going to hang out with this person I'm going to hang out with that person or pick individuals that were a certain status, a certain level that he was going to congregate with. Heck, he hung up with <laughs> killers and murderers and prostitutes and people that were, you know, sick, you know, uh, had had disabilities themselves. He didn't discriminate against that. You know, it's one thing to say, I love the Lord. 
and I try to live by his word. It's another thing to actually say it and then also bring truth to action. Because you can say you love the Lord. You say you can honor his word. But then what does your actions say? Your actions will say, I'm going to ignore the complaints of African-American, Native American, Asian-American kids in the school district when they're being harassed by children. And then you'll turn around and show up for Bible study on Tuesday. Right? You'll show up for Bible study on Tuesday. When Monday morning you came in and had complaints all on your desk of African-American, Asian-American, Native American kids being harassed in your school. Whether you're a teacher or principal, if you're an adult working at a school and you show up at Bible study on Tuesday, how can you even crack open that Bible? and sing and do praise and worship and pray and celebrate God and take the teaching of Bible study and then pick and choose how you're going to apply it. And you got this sitting on your desk on Monday or you've been in church all day Sunday, praising the Lord, dancing, shouting, running up and down the aisles, praising the Lord, and then on Monday when you come in, you completely ignore stuff like this this going on in this DOJ report. We will call to love one another. The word says love one another. It doesn't say love who you think you want to love or love who you believe you want to love. It doesn't say that. It says love one another. It's like with marriage. Same thing. Supposed to love our wives. Christ loved the church. Our wives are supposed to submit, but instead we hate on each other. We cheat on each other. We do all those things. And it's sad. You know? And I see I see young individuals like Izzy. And I serve in a special needs ministry, man. And I see the challenges that our young folks have and even our adult folks have living with disabilities it's a struggle they didn't ask for it they didn't want to be born with a disability and their parents didn't want them to be born with a disability no one goes into a marriage or a pregnancy saying oh I want a disabled child no one does that but when that child comes we have to adjust we have to love them for who they are we have to love them for what God made them. We can't cast them aside. We have to love them for who they are. Raise them, teach them, and nurture them. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, people that are on autism spectrum or people that have that are intellectually disabled or uh, deaf or hard of hearing, people think they don't have brains and they can't learn. That's a hundred thousand percent false. They might not learn at the pace you learn. They might not pick everything up as quick as you pick everything up, but they're still able to learn. They may not be able to express what they know verbally out of their mouths, but they know. And it's our job to love on love on them as best we can and teach them. You know, my son was also diagnosed with receptive and expressive language 
disorder or delay, which means he struggles with receiving information. He also struggles with processing and expressing himself. But that doesn't mean that I can't take my time out to teach him what's right and wrong. To let him know it's not okay to cuss somebody out or let him know it's not okay to yell out or let him know it's not okay to grab somebody inappropriately. We still have to teach our children. And as we're teaching our children that are God's gift that they sent to, that he sent to us that are living with disabilities, it helps us grow as individuals, gives us patience. And so it's really the true ability of how to love. And then we got to send those gifts out into this cruel world to schools where children are just harassing these children as a no end. And poor Izzy was harassed so much she killed herself. She was harassed so much she killed herself. And that grieves my heart and my spirit, man. And it's like, we got to educate everybody about everybody in this world. And we got to stop this hate. We got to stop this hate of another person because of whatever ethnic group they belong to. We got definitely got to stop the hate of individuals with disabilities. Yeah, I mean... They're not the package that you expect, but they're still, you know, they're still people. They are still people. Our loved ones, our sons, our daughters, our cousins, our niece and nephews, our friends that live with disabilities are doing the best that they can with what they got. And just because it doesn't look like what you call normal doesn't make it wrong, doesn't give you the right to harass and bully them. Like the young Izzy was. And then the teachers participating in it. You know. It's like our, our family values are just shot. And now she's a minority in this school district, right? And a lot of people will argue and say that the African-American family dynamic is broken. Oh, too many single moms out there. You know, dad's not around to help raise the children. Dad's not around to do this. Dad's not around to do that. The numbers supposedly are high in the African-American community, right? But you don't hear about what the numbers are in the non-minority communities. Supposedly the non-minority communities have both parents in the household. But you couldn't tell based on this DOJ report. You couldn't tell. Because it's like these kids are doing what they want. Going to school harassing people, doing what they want to do. Bullying Izzy. Because she's, cause she's, cause she's a little bit different than they are. She's living with autism. Calling a stank. Calling her, dropping the N-word on her. Just harassing and bullying her. And these are kids, supposedly, I guess they come from two-parent household. And if they come from two-parent households, what are your values you teach your children in a two-parent household? But of course, you know, if we live in, in a post-45 society, I guess this is where it's coming from. It's coming from adults. Because children are sponges. Children are sponges. Doesn't matter what grade level, what 
education level a child is, a child is going to be a sponge. They're going to see, if they can see, they're going to see and learn from what they see. If they can't see and they can hear, they're going to hear and learn from what they hear. Okay? So, you know, it's one of those situations where kids are just sponges and and if they're and if they can't see and they can't talk or they can't see and they can't hear, whatever mechanism you got for getting information into them, they're going to learn from that information because the brain is a sponge, it's a muscle. Like we have muscles all over our bodies that need to grow. We go work out at the gym to build muscle. The the brain is just like that too, and our children will pick that up. And Izzy's brain is like that. She heard the bullying, and it affected her in a profound way. So don't think for one second that, you know, autism, children living with autism are aloof. They don't understand what's going on. They don't have feelings. They don't have this. They don't have that. Look what happened to Izzy. Izzy felt that. She understood what the bullying was to a point where she took Febreze to school because people were calling her stank. I doubt that Lizzie stank. But people were calling her stank. And there may be some days where she may not have been as fresh as she could have been. But that's, that's, that, that's not limited to Izzy. Heck, I went to school with people that were normal, typical people. Dude, kids like me that smell bad. They didn't have a disability to still smell. So hygiene ain't limited to to, to individuals living with disabilities. Hygiene is a person thing. And of course, you hear stories of people being, you know, bullied for being, you know, uh, uh, LGBTQ and then committing suicide. You know, kids are being bullied because they're poor, committing suicide. We got to stop this, man. We got to stop this madness, man. We got to stop this madness of how we treat our children. We're giving our children too much exposure to too much stuff and not giving them any guidance to navigate through it. You know, we're in a digital age now where everything is digital. And then I remember talking to a Howell County school teacher one night. And she was telling me that, and I said, well, how's the special education, how's special education working over there where you work at in your school? She said, it sucked. She said, a lot of the teachers don't know what they're doing. A lot of them not trained properly. A lot of them have no idea how to deal with children with special needs. She said, it sucked. Then on top of that, she dropped this bombshell on me. She said, she's a general ed teacher. And she says, they were instructed to include as part of their daily curriculum social skills. Now, we know a lot of our children live with disabilities, especially on the autism spectrum, or living with autism, have that social component they need to grow with. Because I teach a social skills class at my church, Sunday school. Every first Sunday of the month, I teach social skills class to the young men that are uh, a part of our ministry. These guys range from age 13 to adult. And I teach them social skills, give them strategies, take them through strategies, give them quizzes, take them through a presentation, have them do introductions, all those things. Um, Show them videos on how to carry a conversation, then teach them and put them in a situation where they got to carry a conversation with one of their classmates using the tips that I've taught them and tips that they've learned. 
So we go through those processes. And so it's one of those interesting things um, that I hear that general ed students, kids that don't, that aren't on the autism spectrum or have ADHD or have some sort of, uh, living with some sort of disability, don't have an IEP or 504, right? Have to be taught social skills. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And I think, you know, this school district definitely needs an overhaul. This, U- this, this school district in Utah definitely needs an overhaul because they need to teach their kids social skills and manners. And yes, you know, kids are going to be kids. I get that. Kids are going to harass people. They're going to talk about people. They're going to, as we call it, joan on people, clown people, right? It's because that's what kids do, right? But at the same time, we got to teach our kids to be respectful and know that that's fun in that. But when you take it too, you can't take it too far. You know, if someone comes to school one day wearing, you know, something they probably shouldn't be wearing. Okay. For that particular day, you may crack, crack a couple of jokes, but that doesn't mean you need to carry that joke on and treat that person like they're less than a human being and harass them every day about that. To a point where they question who they are, whether or not they want to take their lives. Believe it or not, folks, newsflash for you, our children are being exposed to too much right now. They're being exposed to too much between social media, general media, their friends, the lack of parental guidance at home. You know, where children are now being privy to adult conversations at home. I remember growing up when people, grown people came over over to see my mom. It was grown folks time. That's where me and my brothers went, either outside or upstairs. We did. We weren't allowed to participate in grown folks talk or grown folks business. You either get going upstairs or you get going outside while grown folks are talking. But we've allowed our kids to get in on that and sit around. And and and, and I was talking to a friend the other day. The new of a little girl that he he knows is probably having a is involved in adult conversations is exposed to it just by based on some of the stuff that that child be saying and how they interact children that understand that are being taught and understand right from wrong and where their place is in this world they don't infuse themselves in adult conversation and when they talk to adults they talk to adults with respect and when they talk to their peers they talk to their peers with respect you don't treat somebody bad because they don't have money. You don't treat somebody bad because they live with a disability. You know, people will say, you know, that you shouldn't put religion in school. Shouldn't teach religion in school. Shouldn't have the Bible being talked about or talked about in school. So they pull it out. And look at how children are acting. Look at how they're behaving. 10-year-old girl in autism spectrum, living with autism, kills herself. Who does that? Who does that? They harassed her to death. And those kids that did that probably have, have no remorse, no sympathy 
act like they'll just go on with their lives. And that's why I think the exposure to too much stuff is happening. I think our kids have been desensitized by what they see in social media, YouTube, you know, even on the news what they see, even in the movies what they see. And you can say video games too. I just think our kids are being desensitized. I think it's just, man, it's one of those situations where we got to do better. Poor Izzy. You know, we got to do better for children like Izzy. We got to take care of our children that have special needs. We got to take care of them. We got we to look at them with love. We can't look at them as if they're less than anything. Because we're all made in God's image. We are all made in God's image. The, 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 the gift of childbirth is a miracle from God. You know? So we shouldn't treat it any differently than anything else we've ever seen or heard. You know? It's a precious gift. Okay? The child was born with Down syndrome. That child didn't ask for that. I'm pretty sure the child's parents didn't ask for that. Okay, so they're here now. They learn different. They speak different. They may look different. But they're still the human being that bleeds blood. They still pee and poop like everybody else. And if it's a girl, she still has a monthly cycle like everybody else, like every other woman, every every second, every other second person on this planet. They all, we all go through the same puberty. So it's, 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 it's no different. So we got to do a better job, man, of looking out for our children, individuals living with disabilities. So what they're different than you? So what? It's not their fault. And how they behave, it's not their fault. We have to invest in poor into our, our individuals with disabilities. We can't keep treating them as the cast-offs. We can't treat them and, and continue to bully them. That school district should have an overhaul from the superintendent down. This is unacceptable. Whoever the state superintendent is and is the, 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 the attorney general for that, there should be criminal charges in this thing with Izzy because of the people that ignored the parents and Izzy's claims and, and all the other children's claims of a harassment. They should be held accountable for that. Even jail time. You know, you want to take and make examples of people of color in our legal system. Make examples of people who do this stuff like this too. Those teachers and administrators should be held accountable. Make examples of them so they won't have, so nobody else does it. Make those children that were involved in this harassment, make them accountable. I'm not saying send children to jail. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is they need to be held accountable in a way that would deter them from doing that to somebody else. But instead, they'll go on about their merry way. And I would be curious to know, I need to do the research on this to find out what power does the GOJ have when they conduct these investigations? Okay, so you found out the school district was definitely in violation of these students' civil rights. So now what? 
that the teachers and superintendents still have their jobs. Yeah, it's a big ask to overhaul the school system. But it's not too much because those adults that are involved, they can bounce back. Our children with the young and still growing minds that's facing trauma like this. They got to have a chance. They, they may not bounce back. You got to give them a chance to grow and live and show them a world that is free of bias and any sort of ism so they can be their true self. And that definitely means, that definitely goes without saying for individuals living with disabilities. So, okay, so you're different. Okay, so you have, you know, executive functioning challenges where you have impulse control or you self-stem and you blurt out all those things. That doesn't make that person less than a person. They're still a person. They're still a human being. And Izzy was, Izzy's the same. She's still a human being. You know? You know, a DOJ spokesperson in this case with Izzy talked about, we are aware of reports that Isabella faced harassment in school based on her race and disability. The Civil Rights Division is staunchly committed to full effective implementation of our October 21st, 2021 settlement agreement with the Davis School, Di- School District and to making sure that district students have access to safe and healthy schools they deserve. Harassment and bullying in schools have devastating impacts. So my question is, what is this settlement? What is the actual settlement? It's my question. Is a settlement something where somebody's getting paid? Because for me personally, and my thing is this, you can give a settlement, that's fine. But that needs to be overhaul of that school district and not just a settlement. Because a settlement is not going to change the behavior of the people that was in the front of this. You follow what I'm saying? It's not going to change the behavior. Because why? Because it's not going to affect their pocketbook. It's not going to hold them accountable. The district's going to take the hit for that. All right? The district's going to take the hit for that. So I don't know where this settlement is coming from because the same people, the people that were, the teachers that were implicit in this, that sit back and told the students they were being too sensitive or sit back and watch another student, call another student the N-word and did nothing about it, or the teachers and administrators that allowed the student to walk around as Hitler and do the uh, uh, high Hitler salute all day as part of his costume, did nothing. Those teachers can still be there. What's no matter what this settlement is, they all need to be gone, identified and gone. And not just a settlement with the district's going to pay the money for. You know? It needs to be, it needs to be sweeping change. It needs to be people being held, actually held accountable. You can identify in your DOJ report all day, all the violations, you're not naming individuals. And I don't see in the DOJ report where these individuals are being held truly accountable for the actions. So we need to stop this. We need to stop this bullying. We need to stop this bullying. Let's definitely stop this bullying of our children with just living with disabilities. 
Not just in school, but all over. But anyway, I've been on here long enough. Thank you for your time. You know, my thing is this. We all got to live in this world. We're either going to live in this world for our own selfish gains or we're going to live in this world to make this world a better place and be of service to others and try to make others better, not just through our actions, but also through our deeds. And for those individuals that think people living with disabilities are different or less than, take some time out to spend some time with them. Get to know them. Get to know their parents. Get to know their parents. There's no parent stronger in this world than a parent of a, of a person living with disabilities. You know, I hear parents complaining all the time that have normal kids about the, the struggle that they have with a neurotypical or normal child, right? So imagine having a child living with a disability, whether it be autism, Downs, deaf, hard of hearing, cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis, whatever disability is, <clears throat> try walking in those parents' shoes where they have to deal with what they have to do every day to get that person ready to take care of that person, to feed that, and in many instances, feed, clothe, and bathe that person, right? And for the more able, for the more high-functioning individuals, there's still challenges there too. Executive functioning, impulse control, managing emotions and the feelings, you know, and imagine having all that and puberty going at the same time, both both for the boys and the girls. We all know how teenagers act when they hit puberty. I know how I acted when I hit puberty. I'm smelling myself. Now imagine me hitting puberty, smelling myself, and then I also have receptive and expressive language disorder, ADHD, living with autism, which has a whole host of executive functioning challenges that I have, impulse control. Gross motor skill functions, other things like that. And I got all that going on. Imagine trying to manage all that and manage the fact that my thing gets hard now. And if I rub my thing long enough, white stuff comes out of it. Or I got hair in places I never thought before. I got pimples all over my face. Imagine trying to manage that and at the same time trying to live and manage your individual disability you're living with and what that does. And what that looks like. And then imagine having to have parents to help me manage that. Where I'm going off on them at the flick of a switch. Because I didn't like something they said. Or I couldn't process something they said. And I have no impulse control. I have no true strategies to regulate my behavior. Imagine that. And imagine being a parent that has to bounce back from that hearing hurtful things from your child because they have no filter. They don't have a normal filter built in like typical people. And hearing them say some of the most foul and bad things to you. And then you realize and knowing that they can't help it. But you got to bounce back and continue to love them and take care and support them. Imagine that. We don't know what Izzy's parents were living through. Raising Izzy. 
We don't know what type of life Izzy had at home with her parents. We don't know what her parents were going through. So imagine her parents having to deal with her, helping her manage the emotions of being bullied every day because she's living with autism. Imagine what it looks like at home for her parents. And then her parents having to manage raising her living with autism and doing all the things necessary to get her to help, making sure IP is correct and being implemented and doing all these other things that they had to do to take care of her and then suddenly losing her because she was bullied because she because of her skin color and because of her disability. Imagine being a parent having lived through that. And then you got to maintain sanity and not go after the kids that did this to your daughter. Not want to go hurt somebody. Right? Well, you got to manage that. You got to manage giving her a proper burial and a memorial service. Imagine that. Life is hard, man. Let's not make it harder. I know for me, my thing is this. I just try to trust the Lord with all my heart and try not to lean on my own understanding and try in my best, my very best, and all my ways to acknowledge him so that he can direct my paths. I try to give a soft answer, turn away wrath. When somebody comes at me a certain way, I try to give a soft answer. Not that I'm a soft person, but I try to give an answer that's soft enough to turn that wrath away. I try to love people. As we're called to love our neighbors. It's hard sometimes. It's hard. It's very hard. But we got to put our best foot forward to do it. We got to put our best foot forward to do it. And it's definitely really hard to apply those principles when you have someone that doesn't love you because you look different than them that are saying vile and bad things to you because your skin color is different. It's really, really difficult. And I'll be honest and transparent about that. It's very difficult to love somebody that, like that, but we have to, we have to, if we are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, we have to find a way, we have to find a way to do that. And we definitely have to love on our individuals living with disabilities, our individuals living with mental disabilities, mental disabilities, meaning bipolar or schizophrenia, anybody dealing with a mental illness and any sort of addiction, we still got to love on them too. You meet them where they are. Yes, you don't want to have to go through, you know, experiencing someone that has a heavy addiction that's robbing and stealing from you. Put limits on that. You keep them, but you still love them. It's like people that don't want to get the vaccine. We still love them. We may not want to be around them without a mask on, but we still love them. We still call to love, love one another, so we still love them. And my thing is this, if we can do more of that, I think our world would be a better place. Shout out to Izzy. Shout out to young Izzy and her family. May she rest with the peace of God and may her family find comfort and strength in the Lord and help other parents and other children 
that are going through something similar, that they can help them. But more importantly, that God can give them healing and comfort to their hearts. And they can share their story with the world, their experience with the world. Everything we experience, everything we go through is a testimony. I believe. My thing is this. It is testimony. So I just hope that they can weather the storm and be able to educate other people about what happened in their journey. Because everybody's on their journey. And so I've been on here long enough. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to thank you for your time just to listen to me. I know I touched on some sensitive subjects and I might sound a little melancholy today because I am a little bit because, you know, I see because the world around us keeps on going and it, the world around us does what it does. And so I am a little melancholy today. I'm not going to stay here though because I know tonight I'm going to get some rest and I'm going to get up in the morning and thank God and Extending my prayers to the Lord. Post my scripture that I always post. Get my head right. Get a workout in and start my day brand new. With a fresh start. With the Lord willing, with a fresh start. And a fresh perspective. Again, thank you for your time. And my time is now out. Peace. And remember, someone says something to you, crazy or strange, let them know. My thing is this, because your opinion matters. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. Be sure to tune in next week. Hit the like and subscribe buttons. And remember, the next time somebody says something suspect or eh, Tell them my thing is this, because your opinion matters. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. Have a blessed week, and we are out.